And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? It's Andrew again, founder of Marknology, here on Startup Hustle to cover all things e-commerce, Amazon, entrepreneurship. This is a podcast for founders by founders. Uh, before I make our introduction uh, to today's episode from a title to to our guests, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor for today's episode, Canva. Canva is where you go to collaborate and create amazing graphic design for free. Whether it's a presentation to share an idea, a video to launch your business, or a social post to start a conversation, with Canva, you can design anything. Discover the magic of visual communication and how Canva helps you create a lasting impact today. Visit canva.com to learn more. Today's title is called Building Business Momentum with Limited Resources. And I'm telling you, as a bootstrapped entrepreneur and a bootstrap founder myself, um, I know a lot about this and I know a lot about making a little go a long way. Um, and today's today's guest, Sylvia Myers, is going to dig into that with me, not only sharing her own story, but uh, ways that businesses and how they're helping businesses through organic SEO and things like that really make a difference in their business and their growth. Um, Sylvia is also an Australian native, so we're going to have fun with Canva as our sponsor today. Sylvia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Andrew. I absolutely love Canva. I have to say, like, it couldn't be a better sponsor for our show because, yeah, I just couldn't live without Canva. I just spent a good hour and a half on Canva before this interview. So that's just I love it. I fell in love. I hadn't used the tool that much because I have a team, you know, and I just don't do that much of the design or anything. Um, and I know it's a lot of times Canva can be seen by designers as like, this is a starting point to like, if you're not that great, get really, you know, get better and be able to create yes. things. Um, and I saw, I listened to her episode on how I built this and I was just like, okay, I like, I like this company. I like the founders. I like everything yes. about it. So, yeah. Awesome. So, um, you know, one of the founders, the co-founders, Melanie, obviously they're both Australian you know, she's almost like a national hero and definitely in the in the entrepreneurial community in Australia, you know, we, we all look up to Melanie, you know, and all of us women want to be like Melanie. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I love about it is that she said um, when they started the business, you know, the whole idea was like now anybody can design. And, um, you know, all of us like in entrepreneurship, like you have to wear all of these different hats. And I was like, Anybody can design, but Sylvia, you know, Sylvia is numbers driven. She's very left brain. She's very logical, you know, systems and processes, all this kind of stuff. I am not like, I'm not good with colors. You know, I wasn't able to like pair outfits or nothing like that. So I'm like, anybody can design, but Sylvia. And, uh, you know, now like so many things have changed, but I'm like the chief designer in our business, you know, because you're like, you've got that. the idea as an entrepreneur and often like, it's so hard to explain it. Right. And, and we even had a full-time graphic designer who was using Canva and his like Photoshop and all these things. And sometimes it was crazy expensive, you know, like I had this 
vision, like I had this image in my mind and I was like, it's got to be like this, you know, like, like design, 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 design. Yeah. And, and, you know, once, once, like no kidding, we like paid for one image, you know, one week worth of worth of time, you know, at for like a US based person. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like we're not talking little money here. Yep. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I just feel like really anybody can design, you know, really anybody can design. So for I love me, it. I love businesses that, that, that solve a, problems like that. Yeah, that was a game changer, you know, because sometimes we falsely believe in small business that it's that it takes a lot of money to make money. And sometimes like, um, you know, we just we just so imitate what all the big brands do. You know, but big brand is not somebody we should model. Right. Because they have like a 45 year head start and, you know, $5 billion. Like that's not how you're going to get your business going. No. And I I mean, I could talk about that for this whole hour because as someone that started my business while in debt, um, bootstrapped and had to just be super creative in order to make this thing come to life. um, You know, I look at, I look at startups that spend a, a majority of their time, their their first few years, honestly, just building um, investment, right? They're just like trying to get investments. Oh, I can't do this if I don't have this. I can't do this if I don't have this. And really what they've spent is two years building investment. Now they have to go build their business and, you know, yeah. or they have they have too many funds and they know what to do with. And, it, you know, if you're not having to learn it, it's like a calculator can help you if you understand the principles behind the math, you know, kind of thing. Um, so we will, we'll save that for another day because I want to get into, um, I want to get into your story a little bit. And we talked about Melanie and Canva, uh, but let's talk about Sylvia a little bit. Um, so you're in Mexico now, uh, you know, just to briefly for our listeners, they moved, her and her husband moved from Australia, uh, after the pandemic to Mexico to be, um, in a more centralized time zone to be able to continue to educate themselves so that they can help their clients. Something that I, uh, highly admire from from coaches and consultants that are, you know, getting paid to help people. Um, you have to stay educated yourself. This stuff is changing so 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 fast, and you you get to choose your inputs. Um, but you didn't start in Mexico. You didn't. Uh, you know, we you have origins before that, and we're talking about your company, Traffic Ninjas, specifically. Um, but let's start with young Sylvia. Like, did you always know you were going to be an entrepreneur, or um, you said you're like logic and logic based kind of thinking, like you know, when you were a girl thinking about university or college, like where was your head at at that time? Yeah, good question. I definitely never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur. Although looking back, I was always entrepreneurial, you know, thinking about that. I was always like, you know, my, my family had a, my family was very educated, but yet had a very financially simple background. Okay. Um, You know, I, I grew up, in Slovakia, which at the time was behind the Iron Curtain and, you know, the times were changing, you know, this is like before the Berlin Wall fell and, you know, my mom was like, you know, so focused on her job and, and, uh, you know, that on his job and, you know, my parents divorced when I was like two years old. And so like money was always an issue. Yeah. And money was always an issue. And it was also that old school thinking, uh, obviously in an economy that had no business, Right, there was no business in communism, so nobody even thought of being an entrepreneur because that yep. did not exist. 
you'll get killed so, or removed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just so so I grew up in an environment where it was like you get education, 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 and then you get a good job. And that's what it was all about, right? But I guess my thinking was always like, well, you know, there was so much pain and suffering in my family, and I believed at the time that it was because of money. Although, you know, now I know that it wasn't just because of money, but, you know, I believed at the time it was because of money. So I was always like, okay, how do I get myself out of this? How do I do something differently to essentially elevate myself out of that and, you know, help out family or, or things like that? Um, and then I, you know, I quickly learned that you essentially have to turn up at places where people don't expect you to turn up. That's what, that was, I guess, my first entrepreneurial thinking, you know, because I was like, okay, I was, you know, I was always smart and, and driven and hardworking, but I wasn't like the smartest kid who would get the awards, you know, and who would get like the, you know, the scholarships or whatever. I wasn't like that good. And so I was like, okay, I've got, I've, I'm driven, but, you know, my parents don't have money to like, you know, after the Berlin Wall fell to like, you know, pay for language classes for me or anything like that. Right. So I was like, so I've got to find another way. And, you know, without understanding that at the time, I now know that already back then I was a ninja. Right. And that's why our, our business is called the Traffic Ninjas, because, you know, when you are a small business, you just got to think underground. You cannot like, like even remember, you know, the, the teenage ninjas, you know, the Ninja Turtles, like they have not like come from privileged backgrounds. Like they came from effing sewage yep. with some certain small superpowers and they were always outnumbered. And sometimes we just let this, the outnumbering, we just let that to like get to us, you know? And I, and I guess that's, that's what was really entrepreneurial, I think for me was the thinking mindset. It was like, okay, you know, I'm here right now, you know, and I want to achieve something big. I didn't know what it was at the time yet. Um, and you know, you know, to achieve something big, you're going to, you have to get to a good university, but to get to a good university, you had to speak like German and English and, you know, you have to be like super skilled. And I failed the German class. I, you know, I studied for it as much as I could, but again, I couldn't afford any of those private classes. So I failed the German exam. And as I failed the German exam, you know, and this is like the high school break. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like I didn't get into university. You know, this is the end of the world. I'm just like forever, just going to be nobody. Um, and then I met, um, then I bumped into like an old friend of mine and he was like, hey, like, did you know that... Uni the university in Austria has like this thing where you can, you know, sign up to study there for free. And as a result, they might be able to subsidize some like German language classes. And I was like, okay, what's the catch? You know, okay. I was like, this sounds amazing, but what's the catch, right? And so the catch was that you had to get yourself to a university in your home country, whatever that was, you had to get yourself into something and to be able to transfer, you know, study that, to be able to transfer. 
And so I was like, okay, well, what are my options here? What are my options here, right? And, um, you know, it was something I never intended or loved studying, but it was again like the ninja, you know, what is what is the field where like they don't have any women and they totally want women and they're just going to like take you in. And so it was, um, the field is like, I don't even know how to say it in English, but it was like a scientific mathematics. It was like something something that these days is like really cool and so many like cool smart girls go there you know nerds are cool now nerds are cool cool now but back then it wasn't cool and i definitely wasn't talented or skilled enough or whatever but somehow i just got myself in and so with that you know i transferred to austria where i didn't have to pay the tuition fee and where they subsidized the language classes but then i had to also attend all of these mathematic classes in german language that i didn't understand so, you know, it wasn't easy, but anyway, you know, six years fast forward, um, you know, I managed to, you know, transfer into a different field. So, you know, I, I, I ended up studying um, uh, political science, which I really wanted to do at the time. And, you know, it, it was such a great field to study and so applicable to entre- entrepreneurship because it's all about like taking new information, what's going on and like applying it. And like applying it and analyzing it. And then I did another ninja thing. And that was like, okay, Austria suddenly was giving away scholarships to the world. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. Like I got myself to this foreign land, which I had no idea about to start with. But now there is like another opportunity. And that's what us entrepreneurs do, right? Like we just see an opportunity and we just grab it, you know, whether you were scared or not. Like I was so scared. Um, and so I rocked up to these like scholarship interviews. Um, I was like, okay, what is the, what is the, what is the nichest most underground ninja field that nobody is going to apply for? Cause that's essentially what it is, right? It's like mm. what my, I've got to make my niche so small that only I'm going to be able to fit in. Because yeah. otherwise I've got competition. And once I have competition, like it's game over. Because I, I always knew like German wasn't my first language. You know, I had just learned it a few years ago back then, right? Definitely didn't have, you know, money or some amazing results from the local kids. And so I was like, okay, I found a university in Australia uh, that this scholarship program applied for. And... Of course, I chose the most niche thing that actually ended up being super, super interesting. And that was uh, Aboriginal studies. So, Ooh, you know, studying okay. the native population of Australia. And I got in and it was like, oh my God, <laughs> oh my God, this is like so crazy, you know. Um, but again, because it was so niche and it was in an unsexy town in Australia that nobody like really wanted to go to because everybody was like, I want to go to Sydney or Melbourne or Perth, you know, somewhere by the ocean. So I went to Canberra, you know, if, if you have any Australian listeners, they are I'm like, in Kansas. Oh, I'm in Kansas city. So in my country, it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I got in and, you know, and I, and they paid for flights and for accommodation and for the tuition fee. And I got some pocket money and, you know, and that was my ticket to my life. That's beautiful. Yeah, I relate to that on so many levels. One, I'm 35. 
so I lived in Moscow one year, went to Belarus, things like that. It was in early 90s. So wow. I know it was after the wall, but it was still uh, very raw, very raw, very, very raw uh, things I'm still working through uh, in my life, just in my mental, you know, just like letting some of those things go that we saw um, related there, related as being a kid from Africa at 16 that came back and didn't have opportunities um you know family is below average income very very below average income opportunities i failed classes uh in public school i was homeschooled and private schooled kind of like in africa but when i came back i was thrown into public school had no credits uh was like you know two years from finishing and um had to take these upper level math classes to get credit for the classes beneath them that's how they were going to give me credit to graduate in time and so I was taking French three, for example, and uh, it was all written. Well, in Africa, I was taking tutoring for French because my parents speak French. Even though we grew up in all these different places, they all speak Lingala, Swahili. They don't all speak French, French, right? And uh, I knew how to speak French. I could kind of talk, but I couldn't write. Okay, so, you know, just how it is as a kid, you kind of like learn yeah. to talk, but not write. So I'm taking French three, trying to write. I know more French than the kids there, but I can't really test well. Well, what I really learned is I was a lot like you. I was like smart. I'm smart. I'm smart. I know I'm smart, but I testing wise, I did never, I never showed smart. Right. So I wasn't getting the top in the class. I wasn't getting these types of things. I was learning like how to survive in Congo kind of skills instead of like studying the textbooks, you know? And, um, it wasn't until I found e-commerce really that, um, it was like, I am male, I'm white male, but I'm also like from no opportunity and like kind of almost like an immigrant in some ways. And um, so the challenges were there, if that makes sense. Uh, and it was like e-commerce was the field where it was niche at the time when I found it and no one was really there. And if you were the best or you won, you could win, you know, and the, that was like even later. But I was going to I was in a band playing music in college. I, want, I was the first to get educated in my family, uh, college education. So uh, that was a big deal for me just to accomplish it. You know, I was on my own. I wanted to get educated outside of religious studies. And um, so I was going to school for computer science because I saw all my friends go to school for business or communication or these things, and none of them were getting jobs. So I was like, I'm going to find, if I'm going to pay all this money to go to this school while touring and working three jobs, I'm going to pick a field that like will fit me nerd you know kind of thing like i'm just like i'm gonna pick yeah. this one that at least i can get a job like i want i need to be able to get a job you know and yeah. uh so computer science led me here and i won't go into all of that because a lot of our listeners have heard some of that but um just really related to you know your own story and i try not to say that i'm not i wasn't the smartest or the brightest anymore because what i really realized is i mean i'm managing i mean i've managed hundreds of millions of dollars on amazon now at this point uh, and so me not being good at math in high school means nothing now, yes. right? But it was overwhelming then, you know, um, and I just was comparing myself to all these other kids and students. Yes. And, but what I did learn because of our path is how to be a ninja, you know, how to stick out when you don't have the money to stick out or how to find resources when they're not there or you just know how to get by because it's fight or flight. You know, you're in fight or flight mode. And so because you have to go through that, you're much more prepared, I believe, for entrepreneurship and, you know, some of the, the troubles and the heartaches and the, the things that happen because of that 
tough journey at the beginning, right? So yes. um, I've tried to reframe it a little bit because I think I think there's a lot of probably kids and students like me that are really smart that just haven't got the right light shined on them or haven't had the right teachers or you know, weren't in the right system. You know, the American public school system failed me, at least as someone that moved in. And I'm sure there's lots of kids that can relate to moving to America and not fitting in at school um, or not being good at the classes because everyone's just kind of given the same program. And here I am, in my opinion, leading an industry uh, in the Amazon space as far as there was no one doing it before me. Uh, and now there's an industry, you know, and I'm like, how can a kid that was a, a failure in school now be doing something like this? So I didn't mean to take that much time, but um, just between fellow founders, between us here, like, you know, I think there's so many people that can relate to that. And I knew you had an accent, but I didn't know where I didn't know where in the world to place your accent. So I'm glad yeah. you shared that with us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of, yeah, people kind of guess and typically have a hard time, you know, finding where it's from because I took my husband's name. So, um, but you know what, it's, it's also one of the things where, taking his name and leaving my name behind was also a big step, you know, because it's not just, and I, and I spoke to somebody at a conference um, about this last week um, and he has a background from, uh, from the Bahamas. His parents, original birth parents were from the Bahamas, but he got adopted by um, a Caucasian American family. And he was saying that, you know, just a name sometimes like can completely change your life and how people perceive you and you know when i first when i when i first started um the business i still had my maiden name and my and my name was kmetova you know it's a very slavic name and whilst i didn't want to leave my name behind i also realized that unfortunately you know in in this world we we do a lot judge just by what person's name is and you can have an entirely completely different life experience just by changing your name and i'm not saying that that's what happened you know to me because i was obviously a grown-up by then um but you're logical and smart enough to know and be aware that that is a thing that um, it just, is a factor. just like me being like, I speak to it because I am a white male in the U S right. And there's a lot of press about all of that and those things, but not everyone can't judge a book by its cover. Right. And yes. I think that that's what I do appreciate about the year 2022 and you know, where we are is like, um, you know, now Eastern Europeans are seen as like the brains, the wizards behind a lot of e-commerce and like, you know, PPC and like, you, you know, in my space, if people are talking about, Oh, the, who are you using to help you with advertising or like, where are you getting your talent? And it's like Eastern Europe, you know, and it's yeah. like, it's a positive thing. But I remember, you know, in the past, it would have been like, yes. oh, do you trust that? Do you trust that? You know? Um, yeah. And and that's, that's the thing that it isn't now there's a positive thing, but you know, for your own identity, like I don't necessarily feel like I'm from there anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's been 22 yeah. years since I left, you know, totally. I left as a, like, I still have the accent obviously, but it's like I now lived abroad because, uh, you know, after Aust Austria, I lived in Australia and then back in the UK and then living in Belgium and then back in Australia. So and now obviously we're in Mexico. So I feel like it's been such a big part of my life that, you know, having a name that doesn't sound Slavic makes people wondering, oh, you know, but but gives me in a way more freedom in the sense that people don't put me into a box because... 
you know, the thing is like, you know, my accent does not sound Russian or it does not necessarily sound, you know, super strong Polish or, you know, even, I don't know, Hungarian or whatever. Do you know what I mean? No, totally. I had an accent. I actually got teased so much I got rid of it. And that makes me sad. But I did. I, I really got bullied so much that I stopped. That's I just got crazy. rid of my African accent. You know, um, I wanted to fit in and be left alone, you know, and yeah. I'm, I, I'm ashamed of that now. But it's a, it's a real thing. And I think that I'm very much in the same place as you were. Uh, I'm 35. I think it was like, you know, 32, 33, where I finally had spent just as much time here as I did like growing up yes. you know and so it's kind of this difference now um kind of owning that you know for me but okay so before we go I have some questions I want to move us along but sure. as a reminder today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Canva with Canva you can design your ideas with ease get inspired with over 500,000 free templates and a rich content library that helps you and your team achieve your goals sign up and start designing for free at canva.com Sylvia, today's title is Building Business Momentum with Limited Resources, right? And I think we've talked about, even just in your origin story and me sharing some of mine, like what limited resources can look like. And, you know, that can be whether even if you come from opportunity or you come from a affluent family, you can still have limited resources when you're starting a business, of course. Um, so, you know, I see some people that are like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I just I get my eyes light up when I come up with like, oh, let me help you brainstorm with ways to do this with a small budget, because that just gets me excited. I think it's even more of a challenge. Um, you you went to school for Aboriginal studies. You're in Australia. Um, let's skip a little bit to where like, you know, uh, ninjas came into the play. Right. Yeah. So where where did where did traffic ninjas kind of get birthed? And yeah. um you know, this idea of helping people with limited budgets, with organic SEO yes. really take hold? Yes. Good question. So, so uh, I got myself a great career in Australia and, um, you know, you were doing what at that time? So I was doing essentially management consulting in a few different industries, um, you know, lots in e-commerce, um, lots in the digital space as well, but also in lots of, boring well-paid industries like digital digital marketing in banking you know that's like incredibly incredibly well-paid but it's so incredibly toxic at the same time and so you know i felt that at a point in my life like wow i achieved these things that i w thought i wanted you know i am now like wearing the suit and high heels to work and I'm like consulting the CEOs and I'm getting paid like a few thousands of dollars a day. That financial you know? thing as a kid, uh, that, as a girl that you thought was like the most important thing you had accomplished. Yeah. That. yeah. yeah. And, I, and I thought it was so important and, and it just was so toxic, you know, it was toxic. And, um, and also I just felt like I just want to be free. You know, I felt like I thought those finances were going to give me freedom, but actually they didn't give me freedom because I wasn't learning anymore. You know, it's kind of like as a management consultant, you take to go from a company to company and create a new solution and, you know, smoosh the board and all of these kind of things and, you know, present the solution and then make sure that they get their bonus and blah, blah, blah. And so I felt like at some point I wasn't like growing myself. I was like, I'm not learning anymore. And, you know, this is not necessarily fun environment either. You know, it's extremely competitive. So you always kind of have to watch, you know, what you say every single word because it just became so political. 
And I was like, you know what? I just want to be free. And how else can I do that? And I was like, okay. So I, at that point, I had quite a lot of experience from e-commerce and from, from digital marketing because I was doing all of this. Um, I guess I was advising all of these, you know, big companies. And I was like, well, well, what if I take that? What if I take all of that information that I learned over all, all these years and I make it applicable for entrepreneurs, for small business owners? Because I could see that there were so many amazing product makers who had talent that I didn't have. You know, I didn't have a talent to come up with a new product concept and then bring it to life to design it. You know, lots of our customers or majority of our customers are product makers, you know, like they might start with something creative on Etsy and then, you know, create a, uh, over time, you know, full-time uh, big business from that. But I just could see all of these like product makers who were so talented and they had talents that I didn't have. Um, and, you know, even in, in the in the family on my husband's side, you know, his sister is like an amazing product maker. And I was like, I always found myself like telling them like, no, you've got to do this, do it like that. You know, don't spend your money there. Don't spend your money here. You know, just turn it around. Um, and then I was like, well, how about I just actually start doing that? How about like I start doing that? Uh, and so that's, how essentially the traffic ninjas were born, you know, it was, it came from, you know, the perspective that, you know, all of this information and consulting that big businesses pay for small businesses cannot pay for yet. They want to model them, which they don't have budgets for. So how do I, you know, how do I bridge this gap and essentially serve them so that, you know, the world can see their products and. I love and, that you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I'm in a situation right now where I've started with like the Amazon industry started with like FBA sellers is what they call them or people that are private labeling product yeah. makers, like trying to, you know, they were the ones really looking at opportunity. The big brands weren't paying attention to Amazon and there's a certain amount of work that just goes into building a brand and doing it right and yeah. running a team. And so, you know, for sustainability, in order to keep myself in business and my team in business, we've gone up the food chain a bit, you know, to get higher paying clients and brands that are going to be stable. Um, but my passion, and my heart is still, you know, with that bootstrapped, uh, small budget mentality, it just takes almost it takes double the work for the smaller brands almost, you yeah. know, to really to really be successful. Um, you know, some of the things we did early in my business was um, I had a great rate on a I went and I have somewhere I'm going with this, but like you know, with Marknology, it was I had a great office space location and some extra rooms. So I gave one room to a video, a video content team and, and one wow. team, one room to a graphic designer. And I was trading them like very cheap rent in exchange for 10 hours a month or something from them toward wow, my business. You know, it was like, okay, it's kind of like the Airbnb model or something, you know, but it was like, okay, this is one resource I have. How can I help someone else to get help for myself? Or, um, you know, it was it was collaborations like that. That was like ways to be super tricky. You know, it was ways of um, I found photographers that wanted like kind of a, a mission, like, um, you know, to help build a brand or to learn. And so I had them kind of helping me with social media at the beginning, you know, taking someone that's not uh, that, that has a passion that needs a project really to focus on and saying, hey, here's a project and a passion. I need help, too. Do you want to like, and, you know, I had to give up some control, but it was ways that I was getting help. Um, getting people to buy into my my mission like before I had you know the dollars to do so 
and just getting like really creative in those ways. Those are a couple examples, but you know, the list goes on and on and on in regards to like, how did you get things done? What are some ways I want, like, I think, you know, as we're coming, we have about 10 minutes or so. And so I want to give like some practical advice to like young makers, yeah. like how Traffic Ninjas, well, one, how Traffic Ninjas works with smaller brands or, or makers trying to get going, but also um, what are some practical things? Like, how do you work with makers alongside them? Is it is it just like creating content for them? Is it more so like business strategy, um, you know, like things like guerrilla warfare in marketing? Like, what are the things that Traffic Ninjas really does? And how do you work alongside, um, you know, makers? Yeah, great question. So essentially, um, we've created a, what we call a Traffic Ninja system. Okay. Right. And, uh, you know, what we found is that lots of uh, product makers and brand builders who we work with, you know, they're not necessarily numbers driven, you know, analytics is something they have to do. It's not something that they want to do. Even marketing is something they have to do. It's not what they want to do. You know, they really love creating their product and, you know, lots of them make them or manufacture them. Um, and then, you know, over time they start doing that at scale. And so one of the, the biggest things how we work with them is essentially helping them learn a very, very simple system. Okay. Um, you know, it's literally only just four steps. Um, and the first step is helping them understand that ideal customer. Cause, um, you know, the more and more, and particularly since last year's, you know, since all of the online algorithms changed and privacy, privacy restrictions kicked in the really most important part is for for the entrepreneur, for the product seller or brand builder to understand like, who am I actually creating this product for? Who is my ideal customer? Because the, the algorithm can no longer learn that, right? It's like gone are the days when we put hundred bucks on Facebook ads and we could predict with the crystal clarity, how many sales we were going to get out of that. You know, that algorithm doesn't do that anymore. And so as a result, it's kind of like, you know, when people have limited resources and they start running ads, it's kind of like fishing in a haystack. So, you know, we've got to be really crystal, crystal clear to cut through to, to really connect to the ideal customer. And unfortunately, what happens most of the time, uh, I'll give you an example. We've got a, you know, an amazing customer in Italy and she like, she like sells this handmade, you know, beautiful leather bags. And, you know, in the past, you could just put a handbag into a picture and create an ad out of that. And, you know, the algorithm would learn and you would predictably get sales because the picture was beautiful. But these days, it's more about just being beautiful because if you just sell a product, that becomes a commodity. That's just a commodity. Where's the story? Um, yeah. What's the story? Exactly. Like there is an... an it's just a commodity is like commodity. Your only essentially point of differentiation becomes price, you know, and, and like so many brand builders are like, Oh, but we provide great customer service, but hang on a minute, customer service and quality of your product. It's after purchase. That's after purchase, right? It's like, that's how you get repeat business back. But connecting to that ideal customer is like, as you said, Andrew, what's the story? why you need to buy from me, what makes me different and who is that ideal customer? You know, it's not women between 18 to 65. 
it's like a specific person who has an aspiration and I've got to cut through and they have to see themselves in the, in the, in the post, in the ads, whatever you're putting out there in the email. Uh, and that is the main, like the first and main parts of the system because you know, in the past that just used to work, right? You put a beautiful image out, you run the algorithm, everything works like clockwork. Uh, and essentially what I find is that so many entrepreneurs just want to quickly skip that step. But when you skip it, uh, it can hurt, you know, it can really hurt. And I'm not saying that again, that you've got to have it perfect and not move along until it's perfect because it's kind of like a work in progress, but you just always have to come back to who is that customer? That's like the main important thing. And once you figure that out, you know, the second step is, okay, at least, at least I've got a basic understanding of who that customer is. So second is like, well, let me just throw in a few hooks. It's like going fishing, right? Mm. So like, again, in the past, you know, we just did A-B testing, A-B testing, but A-B testing again, that, you know, no longer works. I mean, unless you're a big business with like unlimited resources, so you've got to just try and, um, and essentially test a few hooks organically, um, very simply, right? And like quickly, you get, a, you get a response even just by boosting posts by a dollar or two. Um, and then eventually when you have that, have the library of hooks, you can build what we call magnets out of them. And these magnets, that's when you, that's when you switch from pushing marketing to pull because these, these magnets essentially attract your, your ideal customer, which you can then, you know, build that audience out of, and that's step four to build your own audience that essentially only you fit in that audience. Right. And then suddenly all of the big brands, um, essentially are not your competition anymore. Yeah. I love it. Sylvia, that was beautifully said. Um, I can't like, I can relate so much, even in marketology, like my customers changed from, when I started the business to where we are today and I've had to change that customer, you know, profile um, of who I'm talking to. Is it the e-commerce manager? Is it the CEO himself? Is it the VP of sales? Is it, you know, the marketing director? Uh, like who am I talking to on the marketology side? And then I think what's helped me is honestly just attempts, you know, we've worked with 300 plus brands on Amazon now. So dialing it, failing, you know, failing on those brands, figuring out, you know, for each product that we're selling, they have a different customer they're trying to reach, you know, and it can be, is it the professional bartender? Is it the amateur bartender that's on Amazon? You know, like who's there? Is it like, is it your mom? Is it the mom buying the gift? Is it the person that's actually getting the gift that we're selling to? Like, who are we selling to? And, you know, that's why I think in content and in movies and in Hollywood and you're seeing redheads in film, you know, you're seeing like ginger, ginger guys and girls in, in videos. Um, you're seeing people just like creating ads and videos and content to a lot bigger market than just white, you know, white males and white females, like as, as traditional beauty goes, you know? And so they're trying to find, okay, let's get more my more, my, more minorities in film and more minorities in content. And who are you selling to? And let's, let's speak to those people specifically gone are the days of, you know, uh, a men's Cialis, which is like erectile dysfunction ad on ESPN when you're watching, uh, sports and so you've got every man and woman in in the u.s like watching some of these big sporting events and they're showing an ad to a whole bunch of people it doesn't even apply to you know you can't do that if you're if you're a small business um you have to be very select with you know where you're spending that money um yeah, exactly. and so for me as a bootstrapped business um 
you know, I used to have a, a speech impediment. So like much less being on a podcast, I had a speech, a stutter kind of like, you know, I would just get so nervous. Um, now I speak and I'm on a podcast. Uh, but it was something that when I was bootstrapped, when I was really just thinking about how to grow my business, I was like, one, I want to go to these conferences and learn. Okay. Uh, I have to have money to get there. And then when I'm there, I want to get business. Like I need to grow my business. So it was like, look, if I can get paid as a speaker to come, they pay my event or they pay my stay and I'm able to speak there and get customers and branding. So it's like free marketing for me. And that, so, but what I, my challenge was that I need to be able to speak German, right? In your example, yeah. no, it wasn't German for me. It was yeah. be able to get in front of people and talk uh, yes. about what we do. That was my challenge I had to overcome, yes. you know? But the goal was on the other side of this is, is free marketing for me, you know, and I get free education by getting to go to these conferences. So that was just a silly example, but one where I didn't have the budget to go buy a big booth and set up a yeah. big exhibit or pay to be a sponsor at these events. So I was like, okay, I have knowledge. Let me figure out how to get seen enough to create these magnets, right, for myself. So just just sharing some examples. But as, as we round out, um, let's share one more tip with our listeners on just like, you know, what's one piece of advice you'd give to to female founders like yourself? Because I think um, you can speak to a lot of them as a successful female founder, but really honestly to any founders that are, um, you know, don't have tons of budget, um, and are just looking to get started. You know, I used to be in networking and security out of college and I was making more money than I ever had. And I hated it. I hated it. So I went to e-commerce and I found something that fit me. Um, but for anyone trying to make that leap, maybe from a suit to something that they're passionate about, let's speak to that specifically. That's a specific thing, but what's a piece of advice you'd give to someone trying to make that leap or thinking about making that leap? Thinking about making the leap, but somebody who already has product, for example, no, someone that's uh, maybe someone that wants to be a maker or someone that wants to work alongside small business or do something like you've done with Traffic Ninjas, mm -hmm. uh, not the maker themselves, but the person, the Sylvia that founded Traffic Ninjas that yes. was in a suit, you know, doing digital marketing for banking and just not loving her yes. stuff. And, and now I can definitely tell that you're passionate about what you do. Um, yeah. What was that kind of decision? What was that leap like for you when you decided to, hey, I'm actually going to go all in on this and, and build Traffic Ninjas? Yeah. For me, it was it was really just like I can no longer do this. Like I I came home and I was like, "Hey, babe, I did it." And my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, he's like, "You did what?" And I said, "I quit." And he's like, "You quit what?" I said, "I quit my job." And he's like, "What? What the hell? What are you gonna do?" Ah! You know. So he was all like panicking. Uh, I mean, he's happy now because he he quit himself two years after me, mm -hmm. and we run the business together. But you know, one of the one like the piece of advice I would give is probably just don't be afraid. You know, don't be afraid, just do it because the scenario we always paint that the, the worst case scenario we always paint is never as bad as we imagine it to be. Yeah. Like what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is that you're just gonna in the future, find another job. And that's, you know, you're so capable of doing that. Because if you're thinking of entrepreneurship, then you already are so capable of being, you know, employable in so many other industries. We see this like across so many people who we work with, right? So just, just go for it. Don't be afraid. And, uh, you know, the worst case scenario is never as bad as we think it is. You're so right. Uh, my mom always tells me, go to the worst case scenario, 
go backwards from there. It's not really that bad. And I have a tattoo here. No one can see it that's listening, but it says, feel the fear and do it anyway. So mine says, don't have the fear and do it. Mine just says, you're going to have the fear no matter what, feel it. But, you know, take the leap anyway, because um, there's nothing worse than, you know, being miserable for the rest of your life. You know, um, you just got to take a chance. What's there to lose? I do know that, like, when you put your passion and positive energy behind anything, um, you're better off than having negative energy behind something great. You know, so, yeah. Sylvia, thank you so much for sharing. I feel like I could just chat your story all day. Um, and once again, a big thank you to today's episode sponsor, Canva. With Canva, you can work together from wherever, get on the same page as your team with seamless real-time collaboration. What we designed today, explore and start designing for free at canva.com. I'm going to have all of Sylvia's uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, social media handles in the notes. So if anyone's looking to reach out to Traffic Ninjas, well, one, you can find our trafficninjas.com. Um, but also all of her contact information will be at the below of the podcast show notes. So if you guys are looking to get some guidance or some help in getting your business going and really um, dialing in your messaging and your customer profile, I'm sure Sylvia would be happy to chat with you. Um, I think I have a couple of projects to reach out to you too, Sylvia. So we'll connect offline. Um, thanks again, uh, Hustlers, for tuning in. And thanks again, Sylvia, for your time. Thank you. See you next time, guys. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.